Chapter 15 of France and England in North America, Part 3, La Salle Discovery of the Great West. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. La Salle, Discovery of the Great West by Francis Parkman, Jr. Chapter 15, 1680. Indian conquerors. And now La Salle's work must be begun afresh. He had staked all, and all had seemingly been lost. In stern, restless effort, he had touched the limits of human endurance, and the harvest of his toil was disappointment, disaster, and impending ruin. The shattered fabric of his enterprise was prostrate in the dust. His friends desponded. His foes were blatant and exultant. Did he bend before the storm? No human eye could pierce the depths of his reserved and haughty nature. But the surface was calm, and no sign betrayed a shaken resolve or an altered purpose. Where weaker men would have abandoned all in despairing apathy, he turned anew to his work with the same vigor and the same apparent confidence as if born on the full tide of success. His best hope was in Tanti. Could that brave and true-hearted officer and the three or four faithful men who had remained with him make good their foothold on the Illinois and save from destruction the vessel on the stocks and the forge and tools so laboriously carried thither, then a basis was left on which the ruined enterprise might be built up once more. There was no time to lose. Tanti must be succored soon, or succor would come too late. La Salle had already provided the necessary material, and a few days sufficed to complete his preparations. On the 10th of August, he embarked again for the Illinois. With him went his lieutenant, La Forest, who held off him in Fief, an island, then called Belle Isle, opposite Fort Frontenac. A surgeon, ship carpenters, joiners, masons, soldiers, voyagers, and laborers completed his company, twenty-five men in all, with everything needful for the outfit of the vessel. His route, though difficult, was not so long as that which he had followed the year before. He ascended the river Humber, crossed to Lake Simcoe, and thence descended the Severn to the Georgian Bay of Lake Huron, followed its eastern shore, coasted the Manitoulin Islands, and at length reached Mackilly Mackinac. Here, as usual, all was hostile, and he had great difficulty in inducing the Indians, who had been excited against him, to sell him provisions. Anxious to reach his destination, he pushed forward with twelve men, leaving La Forest to bring on the rest. On the 4th of November, he reached the ruined fort at the mouth of the St. Joseph, and left five of his party with the heavy stores to wait till La Forest should come up, while he himself hastened forward with six Frenchmen and an Indian. A deep anxiety possessed him. The rumor, current for months past, that the Iroquois, bent on destroying the Illinois, were on the point of invading their country, had constantly gained strength. Here was a new disaster, which, if realized, might involve him and his enterprise in irretrievable wreck. He ascended the St. Joseph, crossed the portage to the Kankakee, and followed its course downward till it joined the northern branch of the Illinois. He had heard nothing of Tanti on the way, and neither here nor elsewhere could he discover the smallest sign of the passage of white men. 
his friend therefore if alive was probably still at his post and he pursued his course with a mind lightened in some small measure of its load of anxiety when last he had passed here all was solitude but now the scene was changed the boundless waste was thronged with life he beheld the wondrous spectacle still to be seen at times on the plains of the remotest west and the memory of which can quicken the pulse and stir the blood after the lapse of years far and near the prairie was alive with buffalo now like black specks dotting the distant swells now trampling by in ponderous columns or filing in long lines morning noon and night to drink at the river wading plunging and snorting in the water climbing the muddy shores and staring with wild eyes at the passing canoes it was an opportunity not to be lost the party landed and encamped for a hunt sometimes they hid under the shelving bank and shot them as they came to drink sometimes flat on their faces they dragged themselves through the long dead grass till the savage bulls guardians of the herd ceased their grazing raised their huge heads and glared through tangled hair at the dangerous intruders the hunt was successful in three days the hunters killed twelve buffalo besides deer geese and swans they cut the meat into thin flakes and dried it in the sun or in the smoke of their fires the men were in high spirits delighting in the sport and rejoicing in the prospect of relieving tanti and his hungry followers with a plentiful supply they embarked again and soon approached the great town of the illinois the buffalo were far behind and once more the canoes glided on their way through a voiceless solitude no hunters were seen no saluting whoop greeted their ears they passed the cliff afterwards called the rock of st louis where la salle had ordered tanti to build his stronghold but as he scanned its lofty top he saw no palisades no cabins no sign of human hand and still its primeval crest of forest overhung the gliding river now the meadow opened before them where the great town had stood they gazed astonished and confounded all was desolation the town had vanished and the meadow was black with fire they plied their paddles hastened to the spot landed and as they looked around their cheeks grew white and the blood was frozen in their veins before them lay a plain once swarming with wild human life and covered with indian dwellings now a waste of devastation and death strewn with heaps of ashes and bristling with the charred poles and stakes which had formed the framework of the lodges at the points of most of them were stuck human skulls half picked by birds of prey near at hand was the burial ground of the village the travellers sickened with horror as they entered its revolting precincts wolves in multitudes fled at their approach while clouds of crows or buzzards rising from the hideous repast wheeled above their heads or settled on the naked branches of the neighbouring forest every grave had been rifled and the bodies flung down from the scaffolds where after the illinois custom many of them had been placed the field was strewn with broken bones and torn and mangled corpses a hyena warfare had been waged against the dead la salle knew the handiwork of the iroquois the threatened blow had fallen and the wolfish hordes of the five cantons had fleshed their rabid fangs in a new victim not far distant 
the conquerors had made a rude fort of trunks boughs and roots of trees laid together to form a circular enclosure and this too was garnished with skulls stuck on the broken branches and protruding sticks the cachets or subterranean storehouses of the villagers had been broken open and the contents scattered the cornfields were laid waste and much of the corn thrown into heaps and half burned as la salle surveyed this scene of havoc one thought engrossed him where were tonti and his men he searched the iroquois fort there were abundant traces of its savage occupants and among them a few fragments of french clothing he examined the skulls but the hair portions of which clung to nearly all of them was in every case that of an indian evening came on before he had finished the search the sunset and the wilderness sank to its savage rest night and silence brooded over the waste where far as the raven could wing his flight stretched the dark domain of solitude and horror yet there was no silence at the spot where la salle and his companions made their bivouac the howling of the wolves filled the air with fierce and dreary dissonance more dangerous foes were not far off for before nightfall they had seen fresh indian tracks but as it was very cold says la salle this did not prevent us from making a fire and lying down by it each of us keeping watch in turn i spent the night in a distress which you can imagine better than i can write it and i did not sleep a moment with trying to make up my mind as to what i ought to do my ignorance as to the position of those i was looking after and my uncertainty as to what would become of the men who were to follow me with la forest if they arrived at the ruined village and did not find me there made me apprehend every sort of trouble and disaster at last i decided to keep on my way down the river leaving some of my men behind in charge of the goods which it was not only useless but dangerous to carry with me because we should be forced to abandon them when the winter fairly set in which would be very soon this resolution was due to a discovery he had made the evening before which offered as he thought a possible clue to the fate of tonti and the men with him he thus described it near the garden of the indians which was on the meadows a league from the village and not far from the river i found six pointed stakes set in the ground and painted red on each of them was a figure of a man with bandaged eyes drawn in black as the savages often set stakes of this sort where they have killed people i thought by their number and position that when the iroquois came the illinois finding our men alone in the hut near the garden had either killed them or made them prisoners and i was confirmed in this because seeing no signs of a battle i supposed that on hearing of the approach of the iroquois the old men and other non-combatants had fled and that the young warriors had remained behind to cover their flight and afterwards followed taking the french with them while the iroquois finding nobody to kill had vented their fury on the corpses in the graveyard uncertain as was the basis of this conjecture and feeble as was the hope it afforded it determined him to push forward in order to learn more when daylight returned he told his purpose to his followers and directed three of them to await his return near the ruined village they were to hide themselves on an island conceal their fire at night make no smoke by day fire no guns and keep a close watch should the rest of the party arrive 
they too were to wait with similar precautions the baggage was placed in a hollow of the rocks at a place difficult to access and these arrangements made la salle set out on his perilous journey with the four remaining men dautre wanat yao and the indian each was armed with two guns a pistol and a sword and a number of hatchets and other goods were placed in the canoe as presents for indians whom they might meet several leagues below the village they found on their right hand close to the river a sort of island made inaccessible by the marshes and water which surrounded it here the flying illinois had sought refuge with their women and children and the place was full of their deserted huts on the left bank exactly opposite was an abandoned camp of the iroquois on the level meadow stood a hundred and thirteen huts and on the forest trees which covered the hills behind were carved the totems or insignia of the chiefs together with marks to show the number of followers which each had led to the war la salle counted five hundred and eighty-two warriors he found marks too for the illinois killed or captured but none to indicate that any of the frenchmen had shared their fate as they descended the river they passed on the same day six abandoned camps of the illinois and opposite to each was a camp of the invaders the former it was clear had retreated in a body while the iroquois had followed their march day by day along the other bank la salle and his men pushed rapidly onward past peoria lake and soon reached fort crecor which they found as they expected demolished by the deserters the vessel on the stocks was still left entire though the iroquois had found means to draw out the iron nails and spikes on one of the planks were written the words new some two sauvage ce fifteen sixteen eighty the work no doubt of the knaves who had pillaged and destroyed the fort la salle and his companions hastened on and during the following day passed four opposing camps of the savage armies the silence of death now reigned along the deserted river whose lonely borders wrapped deep in forests seemed lifeless as the grave as they drew near the mouth of the stream they saw a meadow on their right and on its farthest verge several human figures erect yet motionless they landed and cautiously examined the place the long grass was trampled down and all around were strewn the relics of the hideous orgies which formed the ordinary sequel of an iroquois victory the figures they had seen were the half-consumed bodies of women still bound to the stakes where they had been tortured other sights there were too revolting for record all the remains were those of women and children the men it seemed had fled and left them to their fate here again la salle sought long and anxiously without finding the smallest sign that could indicate the presence of frenchmen once more descending the river they soon reached its mouth before them a broad eddying current rolled swiftly on its way and la salle beheld the mississippi the object of his daydreams the destined avenue of his ambition and his hopes it was no time for reflections the moment was too engrossing too heavily charged with anxieties and cares from a rock on the shore he saw a tree stretched forward above the stream 
and stripping off its bark to make it more conspicuous he hung upon it a board on which he had drawn the figures of himself and his men seated in their canoe and bearing a pipe of peace to this he tied a letter for tanti informing him that he had returned up the river to the ruined village his four men had behaved admirably throughout and they now offered to continue the journey if he saw fit and follow him to the sea but he thought it useless to go farther and was unwilling to abandon the three men whom he had ordered to await his return accordingly they retraced their course and paddling at times both day and night urged their canoe so swiftly that they reached the village in the incredibly short space of four days the sky was clear and as night came on the travellers saw a prodigious comet blazing above this scene of desolation on that night it was chilling with a superstitious awe the hamlets of new england and the gilded chambers of versailles but its characteristics of la salle that beset as he was with perils and surrounded with ghastly images of death he coolly notes down the phenomenon not as a portentous messenger of war and woe but rather as an object of scientific curiosity he found his three men safely ensconced upon their island where they were anxiously looking for his return after collecting a store of half-burnt corn from the ravaged granaries of the illinois the whole party began to ascend the river and on the sixth of january reached the junction of the kankakee with the northern branch on their way downward they had descended the former stream they now chose the latter and soon discovered by the margin of the water a rude cabin of bark la salle landed and examined the spot when an object met his eye which cheered him with a bright gleam of hope it was but a piece of wood but the wood had been cut with a saw tanti and his party then had passed this way escaping from the carnage behind them unhappily they had left no token of their passage at the fork of the two streams and thus la salle on his voyage downward had believed them to be still on the river below with rekindled hope the travellers pursued their journey leaving their canoes and making their way overland toward the fort on the st joseph snow fell in extraordinary quantities all day writes la salle and it kept on falling for nineteen days in succession with cold so severe that i never knew so hard a winter even in canada we were obliged to cross forty leagues of open country where we could hardly find wood to warm ourselves at evening and could get no bark whatever to make a hut so that we had to spend the night exposed to the furious winds which blow over these plains i never suffered so much from cold or had more trouble in getting forward for the snow was so light resting suspended as it were among the tall grass that we could not use snowshoes sometimes it was waist deep and as i walked before my men as usual to encourage them by breaking the path i often had much ado though i am rather tall to lift my legs above the drifts through which i pushed by the weight of my body at length they reached their goal and found shelter and safety within the walls of fourth miami here was the party left in charge of la forest but to his surprise and grief la salle heard no tidings of tanti he found some amends for the disappointment in the fidelity and zeal of la forest's men 
who had restored the fort, cleared ground for planting, and even sawed the planks and timber for a new vessel on the lake. And now, while La Salle rests at Fort Miami, let us trace the adventures which befell Tonti and his followers after their chief's departure from Fort Crevcore. End of chapter 15 Recorded by Andrew Kennedy